Welcome to the Soul Talks podcast, where we equip pastors, leaders, and other men and women in ministry to thrive with Jesus in their life and leadership. Now let's join Bill and Christy Galtier, doctors in psychology, spiritual directors, and founders of Soul Shepherding. Hey, friends. We're so blessed to have you in our Soul Shepherding community. And we are continuing our series on Resoul. When David was overworked and stressed, he strengthened himself in the Lord, we read in the Bible. And he resold or refreshed. We need to renew ourselves in our life with Jesus and each other so that we can be strong in our leadership or ministry. Yeah, I'm constantly getting reminders of that. It's humbling when I get reminded of ways that I'm still vulnerable to things like burnout and I need to be resoling. Yesterday, I had a little um, temptation to hurry that arose because our, our granddaughter was dedicated yesterday. And so to get to her church, we had about 30-minute drive on the freeway. And I thought I'd allowed plenty of margin. And then my, my mom arrived at our house 15 minutes earlier than I had planned on being ready and leaving. And so I was tempted to worry to be ready to leave earlier. And then we got on the freeway. I thought, oh, good, we're going to have good, we'll get there with good 15 minutes margin. And then wouldn't you know, it was raining and there was an accident and the freeway was down to one lane. And there we were stopped with 30 minutes of freeway driving ahead of us in the rain. And I remember in the past how, um, you know, it would have been worse, even though I was tempted to hurry yesterday. It would have been worse in the past when I had that hurry trained. I was trained in hurry instead of we've been doing a lot of soul training and resoling around hurry. And I noticed that you you didn't give in to hurry in your driving. And I was really thankful for that hmm. because in the past, you would have been hurried in your driving and that would have increased my hurry and my fear and my anxiety. And then I would have gotten to church and I wouldn't have been able to be present and enter into worship. And you know, it was great to be able to be present and enter into worship. And I thoroughly enjoyed the service, worshiping, the dedication. Yes, was such a, a great, you know, peak of blessing. I'd been praying about that and mm-hmm. getting to celebrate that. And just such a special thing to be with family and to see our daughter and her husband, you know, say, yes, we're going to raise Juliet to know Jesus and the church body to be saying yes and the family to that and uh, honoring that. But I, you know, I would have had something operating in my body that would have been competing with the peace of Christ, the presence to God and, and other people. And so this, this temptation to burn out is subtle sometimes. And the training that we've done, I see that it's working. I see the fruit of it in your life, in my life, and I'm grateful for it. Yeah, so hurry is one of the hidden causes of burnout. We're We're talking about... Preventing burnout, it's, it's not just overworking that causes burnout in your, your church life, your ministry, your job. It's also hidden causes, hidden causes like increasing distance from God, uh, internalizing stress, negating our emotions and our needs, which is what we talked about in our last podcast. And then this time we're talking about hurry sickness. The temptation to hurry is a hidden cause of burnout. And then next week, we'll be talking about over-responsibility or, or hyper-control and how that's one of these culprits for burnout. So to stay fresh and strong, to stay renewed in our ministry, our service for God, we need to be uh, cultivating 
a disposition of being being unhurried and being in a relational mode, uh, enjoying the moment. And so, um, you know, a lot of us have maybe had the thought, yeah, it would be better to be more unhurried. You know, First uh, Corinthians thirteen, love is, you know, how does Paul define love? Patient. And he could have just as well said unhurried. Uh huh. Love is unhurried. Love is kind. Does not envy. Etc. So, in many ways, the beginning of love is being unhurried. It's being emotionally present to God and to people, to the situation at hand. And so, th- this is not something you can do by simply saying, that would be a good idea. That would help me be more loving. I mean, that's a part of it. That's a start. But you're going to have to do some rhythm of life trainings around becoming the kind of person who would be unhurried so that when you get stuck in traffic and your 15 minutes of margin for being on time erodes <laughs> as it happened to us and now you're down to like three minutes, mm-hmm. you know, what, what, you, what are you going to do? You don't want to miss your granddaughter's dedication, right. but you, you can't leap over the cars. <laughs> <laughs> and so if you're churning with anxiety and hurry on the inside, because ultimately hurry is an attitude. It's not just yeah. about the speed at which we're moving. There's a time to move fast. Um, but it's mostly about our attitude. And if our attitude is impatient and over-anxious and hurried, then we're, we're, we're missing the experience of the moment. We're missing God's presence, and we can get ourselves so stressed out that then when we are at the event, like you're saying, yeah, you're, you're not really worshipful. You're not uh, soaking in this peak experience. Yeah, well, we don't love well when we're in a hurry. And I think back to raising three kids, little kids, and... Uh, the times that I had failures of loving were usually times when I was hurrying and I wasn't attentive and present to their needs and sensitive to what they were feeling and, and needing. I was trying to get somewhere and get something done and hurrying them along and catching them up and pressuring them in that. And so we don't love very well in a hurry. Yeah, if you're a pastor or a church leader and you have a habit of hurry, then you probably don't realize how often you're, you're stepping over people to be productive or how often you're uh, forcing something that's really not not the best the best thing for your church and for the people that you're leading and so we we lose access to the emotional intelligence that we we're talking about in our last podcast when we're in a hurry and we lose access to our appreciation of God's presence with us God's wisdom and and what God is doing because ministry is all about joining the Lord's activity but when we're in a hurry, we're relying on ourselves, and we're, we're, we're forcing something, trying Je- to make something happen. Jesus is really a good model for us of this because he was so interruptible. You know, so much of the ministry we see in the Gospels, which are records of his life, he's being interrupted. Yeah, one of my favorite passages, this is in our Lexio Divina Guides. Uh, we've mentioned this a few times recently, that we have three different uh, scripture meditation guides in our Soul Shepherding store online. One of these is called Lexio Divina Guides and has 70 different one-page meditations through scripture passages that have uh, spiritual formation and soul care themes. And we guide you through the, the process, the steps, the questions, reflections with Lexio Divina, similar resource with Ignatian Meditation Guides and Breath Prayer Guides. And so this one is a favorite passage of mine. It's titled Jesus' Sabbath Day. And we just take a chunk out of Mark chapter 1 and we just look at this day in the life of Jesus, and it's the Sabbath day, and how does he 
conduct himself. And it's a great example of, of this, what we're talking about, about being unhurried and having margin for our ministry. Uh, that's what we're talking about here is, you know, we're going to get, get into very practical here in a few minutes about three ways to add margin in your ministry. And so Jesus shows us how to do this. Like you're saying, Christy, Jesus is interruptible. Mm-hmm. And so much of his ministry comes out of interruptions. So it's the Sabbath day, and uh, you know he's in the synagogue, and somebody hands him the scroll. So it's not like he prepared a sermon or something. He's just doing what the, the Jewish people did in that day. He's showing up in the synagogue for a time of community and scripture reading and meditation and prayer, and it's an expression of, of worship. And so he reads, he reads the scroll, and then he makes some comments out of it, and he's teaching out of it. And then as he's doing that, he's interrupted as uh, a guy with a, a demon cries out and d- disrupts the service. And so Jesus ministers deliverance to him, ministers the, the uh, mercy and grace of God and helps this guy get quiet and get back into a frame of worship. Uh, you know, and so people are amazed or pressing in around Jesus, uh, but it's the Sabbath day. So he withdraws and he goes to Peter's house and he rests and he hangs out. Well, but Peter's mother-in-law is uh, is sick, and so he 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 heals her, and it's another sort of interruption from the plan. Uh, and then he goes back into resting because when she's healed, she waits on them and serves them, and and they're relaxed. And so he you know he's getting his Sabbath rest here. Uh, and then people come to the door at the end of the day uh, when the sun sets, and so it's like, well, this wasn't something he planned, and now he's he has a healing service at yeah. the front door with all these people from the town. You know, deliverance, <laughs> and so it's a it's a busy day here. There's a lot of output, but it's coming out of Sabbath rest. It's coming out of his intimacy with the Father, and then early in the morning, before anybody gets awake, he escapes out to a place of solitude, and he's alone with his Father, and he's praying and he's, he's resoling. Exactly, he's replenishing and renewing just to stay fresh and strong for his leadership. And then Peter and the others, you know, are looking for him and they, they finally find, find him and like, Jesus, you know, everybody's looking for yeah. you. you know, they, they want more teaching. They want another healing service. And then Jesus is like, you know, it's time for us to leave and go to another city. He's like, huh? He's <laughs> like, how do you know to do that? Well, he'd been communing with the Father. Yeah. He'd been in prayer. He'd been, been tapping into God's wisdom and he knows it's time to share the gospel in another city. And so you just see Jesus working from a place of rest. You see Jesus serving people out of his intimacy with the Father. And so in Jesus' ministry, he had margin. He had soul space. He had a refreshed and renewed soul so that he he could be tapped into when he didn't expect it. He could be interrupted. And he would be caring and kind and, and, and wise. And so because he wasn't in a hurry and being overproductive and negating his emotions and his needs for rest, but he was present to God, he could be interrupted by people or he could be put in situations that were very stressful and he would respond with compassion. It's so important, this training to be unhurried, training in these rhythms of grace that God, that Jesus modeled for us. And it takes intention to do this. You know, I we just at the Institute couple weeks ago, we're with a, a pastor and a wife, um, very big church, and she's an author and a Bible teacher, and she's in our spiritual direction training. She's already started into spiritual direction ministry as well, just a powerful leader. And she said, 
you know, at this third retreat, the rhythm of retreat was more deeply internalized. See, that's that rhythm, mm -hmm. that practice. Um, and then she said, as was the tone and greater message, I felt as if the greater lesson of what you bring, an attentiveness to the soul, so to resoul, an enthrallment with Jesus, the unhurried life, and etc., really soaked in, and I got it in my bones and body and heart. It's the fruit of the practices of the discipline of retreat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just can't. We just can't say enough about the power of incarnational ministry being together, and that's why we do our Soul Shepherding Institute with five-day training retreats, and four of them over the space of two calendar years. And it's a significant unplug, and everybody is so glad it's five days long. Because if you, if you, a lot of programs do three-day retreats, and there's things that are, are beneficial about that. It's a lot easier to do, but it's hard to really rest. It's hard to really experience that unhurried state, that intimacy with God, that, that connection in the community that gets branded into your bones, as she shared. Yeah, and so, you know, we're talking about three ways to add margin to your ministry. And so the first way is valuing presence over productivity. That's what we're talking about in this. But, you know, you used to be super productive even when you drove. Yeah, so I, I am a productivity addict in recovery. And um, it's really important to me to be uh, efficient, productive, successful, to accomplish things. I've just been wired that way since b being a kid. And so... That's worked itself into some uh, funny sorts of situations like this one that you're referring to, Christy. So this goes back a number of years, uh, long before soul shepherding and before my spiritual renewal. So it was about 20 years ago or so. And I was uh, driving to my office. Uh, this day was a, a day of seeing clients in my therapy office. At this time in my career, I was bivocational. I was a, a full-time, a part-time psychologist and a part-time pastor. Uh, uh, spiritual formation pastor in a mega church, and so I was doing a lot in my career, and uh, both sides of my career were significant for me. And so on this day, I'm I'm driving in to see clients, and in your stick shift sport car, my stick shift <laughs> sports car, yeah. And while I'm driving, I was uh, shaving with my electric razor, and I had my phone on, listening to my voicemail messages, and. Uh, you know, I, I'm. <laughs> You're eating your breakfast. Yeah, I was eating my breakfast. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, multitasking, right? <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm stoked and I'm excited, and and I, I come to a stoplight, and in those days, I that was always like, oh, you know, slowing me down. It was like I got, I got to get there because I was always in a hurry, and I happen to look out my window, and next to me is my pastor. <laughs> And he just looks at me, he's just like laughing. He sees my breakfast, he sees me shaving. Yeah. He doesn't even know about the phone that I'm listening to my voicemail messages. And he just kind of like points his finger and goes, man, you were like really productive here, Bill. And then when he saw me later, you know, he's joking with me about it and yeah. everything. And so I used to think, you know, when Paul says in Ephesians, redeem the time for the days are evil. I used to think that's what it means. It's like get a lot done yeah. and multitask. It's like, yeah. yeah, that's not what he's saying. Well, in the in the short term, truth be told, it feels good to be in a hurry. It feels, you know, you get the adrenaline going, you feel powerful, you feel like mm -hmm. you're, you know, accomplished. It probably puts you back on the sports field, how you felt as an athlete. Yeah, I, I like adrenaline, probably more than being a productivity addict. I'm an adrenaline addict. I, I do like the 
the sense of confidence and power, uh, even uh, elation, it's a stimulant. It's a natural stimulant in, in our bodies that uh, gets us uh, awake and it feels good. And so... Well, we're waking up to how the toll's taken on our health even nowadays. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of articles now on adrenaline fatigue because people are burning out their adrenal glands. Yeah, I, I tell this story in our book, Your Best Life and Jesus' Easy Yoke, and the whole chapter on hurry sickness and adrenaline, because it was a big deal. It was central to my spiritual renewal when I hit the wall and, and the Lord took me deeper into the inner journey in these stages of grace that we've uh, mentioned now and again, because we've been immersed in that as we've been writing our, our book that'll be coming out on that. And so, uh, yeah, adrenaline, I learned that I was an adrenaline addict. And, uh, I mean, I still like adrenaline, but I don't think I'm, I'm in recovery now. I don't, uh, depend on that for my energy or well-being or self-esteem or feelings of significance in my life. But back then I was, I was somewhat dependent on that. I didn't, didn't realize it. And so it was through some, uh, Archibald Hart's book on adrenaline stress was a big part of that and getting into spiritual formation and, and rhythms of retreat myself, like you just shared from our friend in the Institute, I started to realize that I was shortchanging my soul and my intimacy with God, and I you know, it was all about doing work for God, which we talked about in the in the Lead with Jesus podcast recently. And you know, working for God is a good thing, but it's the best thing when it comes out of working with God. And so I was just I was just learning that, and then started practicing slowing down. And you know, at first that was difficult because. It, as an adrenaline addict or someone that's uh, very much defined by hurry sickness, what will happen if you're used to being in a hurry all the time and being productive all the time and busy and going, when you stop, it's going to feel empty and flat and depressing and you might feel bad about yourself and restless and you're not accomplishing anything and you want to get back to being productive and doing stuff. And so, you know, there's reasons why some of us have trouble really settling into vacation or avoid retreats with solitude and silence or even avoid quiet in our homes because we're, we're wanting to stay stimulated and busy uh, so that we can feel activated and avoid that empty, bored feeling that's under the surface. Yeah, you write about that on the Soul Shepherding blog about confessions of a type A workaholic, about how you, you were caught up in that productivity. So, yeah, that but, came out a couple of weeks ago. So yeah. what are some ways that you, you moved from valuing presence to productivity? There, there must have been some training that you did. Yeah, and some of it uh, in terms of coming to really value the God's presence and personally being present in a moment is being more important than being productive. Some of it is, is study, uh, teaching, learning, uh, Bible study, um, Reading, reading articles and books and j- just getting that value in place to get myself convinced that that, that really is truth, that, that really is what Jesus models and the apostles. And so that, that's a beginning point. And that's why we, we say is, is the first way to add margin in your ministry is just to really think and pray and, and talk with somebody wise about, you know, am I, am I valuing presence over productivity, or a similar one is, am I valuing presence over principles? Because sometimes, especially if you're a Bible teacher or a preacher, you know, we're, we're, we're ministering God's word to people. And particularly if you have my personality as a thinker, we're, we're bringing out ideas to people. And ideas are important. And that's one of the things that 
one of the things we say in our Social Operating Institute, uh, quoting Dallas Willard, is, you know, we live at the mercy of our ideas. And so it's really important that we think things through as it relates to our, our life, our spiritual formation, our ministry, our leadership, our relationships. Because when we, when we get the right ideas, the right strategies in place, that can, can get us going in the right direction. Well, we have these ideas from our culture, from our work of, yeah, I better be productive because my job counts on it and my family counts on it. And I'm being measured by that. And I'm my worth is being assessed by that. And I'm being rewarded based on my productivity. So it's really hard to make mm-hmm. this shift. Yeah, we're not saying productivity doesn't matter. It, it, it matters a lot. I mean, I think we would prefer to use the word fruitfulness mm-hmm. over productivity because we're not machines. But there are metrics that are important to accomplish in any any ministry, any work. It's you're, you need to measure. You, you want to have some goals, and then you look at what what how you're doing and reaching those goals. And that's that's valuable to consider. That the point is that our greatest fruitfulness comes out of being in God's presence and being relationally present to people and being emotionally present in our own self awareness, our prayers. Because that dramatically influences what we preach and teach and how we lead and how we listen to people and how we care for people. Because the instrument is my soul. So after you got these new ideas and in, in your hurry ideas, you were exposed. You were exposed the hurry you were doing. You were seeing some of the consequences of it. And then you started to change your ideas through coming to see this and wake up to how you were just totally controlled by hurry and the benefits and the costs. Then you started practicing some habits of prayer to help you retrain, resoul. Yeah, one of those habits is called statio. So uh, that's something I learned from the Benedictine monks, but that's where you, you arrive early to events or meetings in order to be present. First of all, present to God, be prayerful, be present to other people. And so that makes a big difference Part of it is just simply and obviously respecting other people's schedules, and it's good to be uh, on time. Uh, early is even better. But the, the heart of that is so that we would be relationally present to the Lord and to whoever we're going to be with. And so that demeanor of being unhurried, so that, that just helps a whole lot, and it, it makes things, it's, it's valuing people, it's va- valuing relational opportunities, versus trying to cram every minute with something productive. And and today, it's like so easy to do that because we got these smartphones that there's a lot of work you can do on that smartphone. Or there's a lot of curiosity and distraction that you can do on that phone. It's not that these things are wrong, but it's, it's the point that the best thing to do before a, a church service or a meeting I'm attending or an appointment I'm going to have with somebody or even a coffee with a friend the best thing would be to arrive in an unhurried state and to be attentive to God in the midst and, uh, you know, and to pray, even if it's just a, a short little prayer, you know, Lord, bless this, this meeting. And I'm going to do that better if I put margin into my schedule and seek to arrive early. And so training with that and doing that uh, prayerfully, even then if I'm running, even if I am running late, because sometimes I'm running late, you know, this spiritual discipline's a medicine for me. I'm not, uh, it's difficult for me, but it's getting easier the, over the years as I practice it. So, but then even if I'm running late, hopefully I can have an attitude of being unhurried. And then so I can still show up in uh, a way of appreciating God's presence. So, and then an, another thing that we can do 
so you mentioned habits of prayer. So like a, I just love the in the Psalms the with the word Selah uh, 71 times is in the Psalms and it, we're not sure what it means but it probably means something like pause to reflect and pray. And so the the prayer masters that and song worship masters that put together the Psalter and arrange them uh, p- different people who are serving David they made some edits to the order of the Psalms and uh, some notations at some of the beginning of the Psalms. And then they added these selahs, which is a time when maybe they're, they're changing instruments and then, but they're having a pause for, for quiet worship. And so to live with selah, it's a spiritual word for margin. It's, it's a word for practicing God's presence and praying without ceasing by just shooting up little prayers now and again. And so developing habits that help me to pray uh, the word of the Lord, be still and know that I am God. Or uh, to simply pray, thank you, Lord. Or uh, Abba, I belong to you. You know, all these different breath prayers. We, we got a bunch of them in our breath prayer guides resource. But these are things that when we spend some time in our prayer closet, with a, a phrase or paraphrase from scripture and we just breathe the words in and out and, and we contemplate deeply on the word of the Lord and we experience some, some unhurried rest and then we begin to uh, pray that into our daily life by uh, watching and praying in, in, in view of our schedule for the day or challenges that are coming up and then as we go through the day having these statio moments where we, we call up a prayer and we breathe it in and out and it helps us now to integrate our appreciation of God's, God's presence and God's love and God's power in what we're doing so that, so that now we are in a whole different space of our, our ministry. We're, we're not just ministering out of our own strength, but we're ministering out of God's presence. And that's what, mar- spiritually speaking, that's what margin is meant to do. It, it, by putting margin or space in our schedule, it helps us to be more relational which is the, the key to life and ministry. Jesus, how grateful we are to you that you are always with us. And we pray and ask that you would help us to put this margin in, to stop, to appreciate you, the treasure, to be present to you. Forgive us, Lord, for getting caught up in hurry and self-importance or pleasing other people or trying to get things done. Thank you for waking us up to what we're doing and inviting us again to stop, to set those boundaries, to breathe in your grace, your presence, your love, to walk with you and to work with you in your unforced rhythms of grace. Amen. The Soul Shepherding Institute is the best thing we do. Imagine sitting down with Christy and me and a group of other pastors and leaders in an authentic community where we're all just seeking to grow in Christ Jesus. And together we're going to learn about spiritual formation, spiritual and psychological development, soul care ministry, and relationally healthy leadership. It's a transformational experience. And on top of this, you can earn a certificate in the Ministry of Spiritual Direction. Everything begins with our intimacy with Jesus. So at Soul Shepherding, we've created prayer guides that will help you cultivate your connection with Him. Our breath prayer guides, our Ignatian, and our Lexio Divina guides help you experience God and His Word in deep and unique ways. 
that will begin to transform you. Thank you for joining us on the Soul Talks podcast. For these resources and more, follow the links in the episode notes or visit us at soulshepherding.org.